Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I want to share the word with you this morning. My message is titled Bread of Heaven or Bread of Heaven, the Bread of Heaven. All God has ever really wanted with mankind is to be with us. Uh, surely this isn't a stretch for you to uh, consider it because you, you recognize all you got to do is go to the garden and, and uh, at the moment of creation and and um, you see this picture in Genesis, and I, I'll give you a passage of Scripture. Here it is in Genesis 3.8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid the, from the Lord among the trees. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. So that's just... The scripture's telling us that God came down to walk with men and the man and his wife, it says, in the garden. That's telling you something, isn't it? God came to be with man. He chose to be with man. He chose to walk with them in the garden in the cool breezes of the evening. God, in fact, created mankind in his image and likeness that he might have relationship, not religion with us. He didn't want just followers. He wanted to have fellowship, intimacy, closeness with us. And yet, when he came down to the garden to invest in that relationship, man had already run off with Satan into sin. And that's why they tried to hide themselves from God. But imagine that for a moment. The very God of heaven wants to have a thriving relationship with you. Did you catch that? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords wants to have a thriving relationship with you. Not just religion with you. Not just you serving Him. Not just you following Him or doing the things that please him, but you having a thriving relationship with him. Now, and not just the cleaned up religious you. You know, the one where you show off at church. Look at your neighbor and say, stop being religious. Walk in your relationship. So let's look at this. God invests with us first. God was done with the trying. He wasn't done with trying to hang out with man after the failure in the garden. He wasn't done, was he? I I can tell you, I can prove this to you. Because Exodus 25 verse 8, we get all the way to Exodus 25 verse 8. And listen to what God says. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can come live among them. Are you with me still? This is God. 
God is speaking, in this case to Moses, and he, and he says to them, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can come, so I can live among them. And so you can say, thank God that the garden wasn't an ending, but a beginning. The garden wasn't an ending, where God says, well, hang it. Men were interested in sin, more interested in sin and running off and having their fleshly indulgences fulfilled. Instead, God said, no, I'm not done. I've got to do more. And so basically God saying, since you can't come up to me, I'll come down to you so we can hang. Aren't you glad God wants to hang with you? Look at your neighbor right now. Say, give him a little wink. Say, God likes to hang with me. I'll slip the slide and I'll just grab the mic. I'm good. I'm sure my batteries are dead, but my power ain't lost, bro. I got a mic and I know how to use it. There is more to this equation, however, and that's where we want to get to this morning. Psalm 91 verse 1 puts it this way. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. Every relationship that is solid and strong requires two contributors, doesn't it? Have you ever had a relationship with somebody that, well, they weren't great contributors to the relationship? And some of you know what I'm talking about. You'd be afraid to raise your hand or say, yes, I get you, Pastor. Because you may be sitting beside somebody that (laughs) is not a great contributor to that relationship. They're there, but not a great contributor. Notice the scripture says, he that dwelleth, that's the King James, or those who live in the shelter. You can't dwell or live with someone and not have a relationship with them. Still with me? That's not saying it's a great relationship, but you you have a relationship, right? This psalm is trying to explain something to us that is a God want. God has a desire with you. And so the scripture says, He that dwelleth or those that live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This is your contribution to the relationship. I love what T.D. Jakes says. He says, there are some things you get by dwelling that you don't get by visiting. Yeah, when you visit with somebody, you have to ask them, can you get something out of the refrigerator? Right? Well, some of you may not do that, but, you know, courtesy is that if it's not your house, you don't have permission Unless you gain permission. So there's things that you get by living someplace, dwelling someplace, that you don't get when you visit those places. Right? How many of you have ever toured a mansion or museum? Yeah. Anybody ever been to the Biltmore Mansion down in uh, North Carolina? 
Just one of you? Uh, two? Well, of course, of course you did. <laughs> so I got a couple of you out there. Anyone ever been to or toured a big mansion? Anyone been up to Jim Thorpe to the Asa Packer Museum? Yeah. It, it was nice to visit, right? But not your stuff. It's not like you could sit down and enjoy the crystal or the fine stuff because it's not yours. You are visiting. But in your house, when you dwell there, there are things you get when you dwell in a place. Why am I saying all of this? You have to get beyond just visiting God when you're in trouble. Too many of us have that kind of a relationship with God. We, we only need God when we're in trouble. Real relationship doesn't happen under those severe times. Not real relationship. Because otherwise, some of you would have a great relationship with the emergency room personnel. But you don't want that kind of relationship, do you? No, you want the kind of relationship that's built out of a place of dwelling. You want to come into the presence of the Lord. You want to be familiar with Him, and you want Him familiar with you. God isn't looking to have codependent relationship with you. God doesn't do one-night stands. Uh-oh, He said that. Yes, He did. God, God doesn't do posers either. People that pretend, people that try uh, to try church for a little while, thinking God is going to fix everything they messed up over their lifetime in just a few weeks. I did the God thing, didn't really work for me, so I'm out now. Did you really try? Did you expect God to fix everything in a few weeks? You spent your lifetime making a mess of it? Give God a minute. Walk with Him for a little while. Invest in the relationship. And I'm saying a little while, and I know that's a relative term, but I'm not saying walk with Him for a few weeks and see if God's all right. And move on. No, listen to this verse from 1 Peter 5.10. You're not going to like this verse. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. Now that part's great, isn't it? Look at the next line. So after you suffered a little while, there's those same words, little while. After you've suffered a little while, when it comes to eternity, however long you may suffer on earth. Now I'm not encouraging suffering. I don't like it either. I'm simply saying to you, this scripture is an indication that you may have a little trouble while you're here. But after a little while, listen to these words, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. King James says, establish you. Don't even say establish. Just says straight up, he will establish you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. That's what you get from dwelling someplace, right? 
Because if you got a house that's going to stand in the storm, it's got a firm foundation. That's where you want to be with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. You got to be in this for the long haul. What's that mean? Can you praise God when you're hurting? Can you praise God when you're lonely? Can you praise God when you're broke? Can you praise God even though you lost your job three days before Christmas? Can you praise God in all of it because that's you dwelling in the presence of the Most High? Not the Almost High. The Most High. You know, there are some things you don't get when everything is good. Ooh, there are some things that you only get when things are not so great. Listen to Psalm 25, verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. You only get that when you're in this place with God, the secret place of the Most High. You're in the presence of the Almighty. You're close. You have intimacy with God, closeness. And what does he do when you got that intimacy? Look at the words. Come on, look at it. And he will show them his covenant. You only find that when you're in the place of dwelling with God. Look at your neighbor and say, stop posing, really get with God. Look back at him and say, you don't know me like that. Just because that preacher said, say it, doesn't mean I'm, I am that. No poser. So what does God do? He tells them, I want you to build me a place where I can come be with you. Construct a place where I can come be with you. That's what God tells Moses. And elaborate directions on the kind of place God expects them to make for him to come be in. You know what we need to do in today's church? Do I have time to say all this? I'm going to. You know what? As I was going through this, preparing for this message, I'm thinking, God, we got it so backwards. We try to look for the cheapest way we can put together something where you can come be with us. And that's so opposite of what he told them. With the tabernacle first, and especially with the temple to come later. If the temple were built today, it would be one of the most expensive buildings ever built. In today's dollars, the temple would outrank billions of dollars spent on buildings. I'm not kidding you. We just just measure the treasury of Adam, or excuse me, of David, and then put that together with what Solomon had when they put together the temple. I'm saying it. Even what they got built over in Saudi Arabia, what's that island they built where everything's Dubai? Yeah, they got a billion something dollar, multiple billion dollar building there, or plenty of them. The temple would out-cost them in today's dollars. Yet we cheap God all the time. Yeah, we got to sneak this in, God. Can we do this? Can we do that? God has enough. And I know he doesn't 
dwell in buildings like this. He's in our hearts now, and I'm not confused on that, but I get tired of us trying to run cheap with God. So once again, God reaches out to man in order that he may be with them. That's God's plan. And he tells Moses to have a, there's something I want you to focus on for a minute. He, he tells Moses to have a table made that's overlaid with gold. And he called that table the table of showbread. King James again says shoe bread, not like shoe. And they just spell it funny, S-H-E-W. And, and, and he tells them on this table, I, I want you to put two gold plates. Remember what I'm talking about here? God doesn't do things cheap. He says, I want two gold plates on this table that's overlaid with gold, made out of a specific wood, designed a specific way. I want these two gold plates. And on those gold plates, I want you to put six loaves each on each plate. And now I want you to put some frankincense on them too, because I want them to smell good. It's a sweet, sweet savor coming up to my nostrils, the Lord says. Essentially, everything in the tabernacle or temple speaks of something more. Everything. In this wallet, it speaks of something more, doesn't it? What do you think this wallet speaks of more? Ray, tell me something. that that It's more than leather, right? What's more in this wallet? Got credit cards in there. Yep. Miriam, tell me something more. Cash. Yeah, there is actual cash in here. My cash. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, back in the day, about 10 years ago, somewhere along the line when I went to a smartphone, I I took out all the pictures because I used to have pictures of that little girl right there. And, and my wife and my other sons and such, I, I had pictures in there. What else? There's more in here, isn't there? Personal information. Identification, right? Yeah, yeah, now I have real ID. As opposed to the false ID that I had before the real ID. I got medical cards. I got a card in this wallet that tells people at the airport, there's a little little ring somewhere right around in here inside when I had heart surgery. Uh, there's, it speaks of more. It's not just a leather-bound device. It speaks of much more. Everything in the temple speaks of much more than what you visibly see in that moment. You're reading it in the Scriptures. So here's this table of showbread. And on this table, there's something with a distinct other name that you have to hear. On that table is the bread of the presence. Yeah, write that down. The bread of the presence. And so what God does, 
as he comes to inhabit. And listen to Exodus 25, 30. Place the bread of the presence on the table to remain before me at all times. Say all times. The name alone is full of meaning. First, we'll talk about the table itself. The showbread speaks of God as light. This is God showing off, if you will, or becoming visible. It is a representation, of course, of God among them. They were to make these loaves each week and place them in the tabernacle on the Sabbath. Hmm. And these loaves were to be consumed by Aaron and his family. Look at your neighbor right now and say they were supposed to consume them. They were to consume the bread. You starting to pick up on this? They were to consume the bread. Not just look at the bread. Not just smell the bread. They were to consume the bread. And they made it weekly so that it would never be stale. Hmm. John 5.53 says something we need to see. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. He has to be consumed. Not a place you visit on Sundays. He is someone that you consume, that is always in you. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, He is good. Bread of the presence is clear to God's way of saying to them, I am with you. It's God's way of saying, I'm with you. And he wanted Moses to create this tabernacle and and put this table that would have this bread of the presence on it. It was the table of showbread, but it had the bread of the presence on it. And that bread of the presence was to be consumed. His very presence is with you or them. And this bread of the presence was to be placed there every Sabbath. Again, God had them do this as a sign that he was with them at all times. (laughs) Praise God that he does this. Look at your neighbor and say, his presence is here at all times. What do you mean by here at all times? He's here at all times. He's with me at all times. He's with you at all times. God's not there just when you feel bad or sad. He's there at all times. God is present when you feel like the, even when the, you feel like the world is crushing you. God is there. God is present when your adult child is out doing foolish things. There's no day off from his presence. God established a visible sign to remind them that he was present with them. Place the bread of the presence on the table to remain before me at all times. 
And so God established a visible sign that would remind them that he was present with them. And God wants the people of Israel to know that he is there with them. He, he needed to do things. You know how they were, right? <laughs> he had to always show off. That's why the table was built. It, it didn't matter that they had crossed the Red Sea. A few days later, we're thirsty. We're hungry. How are we going to survive? You could have let us die in Egypt. At least we had food and water in Egypt. God had them bake the bread weekly to represent that he doesn't want a stale relationship with us. This bread would represent God in his presence. Now, let's talk about manna for a minute. Because that was something else that God visibly did to remind them he was with them, right? He visibly did this, the manna. But we're actually reading from John chapter 6, verse 31, and Jesus is speaking in a minute. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Just like I got the true ID now, you got the true bread. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I got the true bread. I don't got that fake stuff. Even though you like that Puerto Rican sweet bread. Nope. I got something better. And it ain't the Hawaiian sweet rolls. King's Hawaiian, that is. The manna that Israel enjoyed in the desert was a precursor, wasn't it? Look at what else this scripture goes on to say. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. It's what men do. The manna that Israel enjoyed in the desert was a precursor. Once again, that manna fell from the sky daily to provide sustenance to the children of Israel. God was giving them a visible sign. I'm with you every day. Wasn't enough to have the fire at night and the cloud by day. He had to do more, didn't he? God's always doing more to prove to us that he loves us. Always doing more. Always going to the furthest extent. It was a physical sign, this manna, that, uh, of the presence of God with them daily. You know what happens? It's what happens with all of us. People began to take it for granted. The manna was, it was good, but it got, they couldn't keep it more than a day. But it was just God's way of saying to them, no, I need to have, I want a daily relationship with you. I don't want you visiting with me. I want you constantly in my presence. I want you to constantly know that I'm here with you. And they grew tired of manna. I wonder if worship has grown cold and indifferent for you. You don't have to raise your hand. Don't have to say, oh, oh my, or oh me. How hard is it for you to get Time alone with God. I mean to have the want to. That just like right now you're craving food for your physical body, 
How are you craving time with God? Time alone with God. Is it any different with you in your relationship with God than it was with the children of Israel? In the manna? Are you taking his presence for granted? I wonder if you're hiding in the garden. Have you let sin creep in? Something come between you and God. I know you dealt with it this morning, so you're not thinking about it. But you need to remember that because constant, there are constant things that would get in the way of our relationship with God, aren't there? You might as well say amen. When was the last time you passionately pursued God? When? When was the last time you hungered for your relation, with your relationship with God? And, and here's what happens with those, really it's those that were listening to him were scribes and Pharisees, and, and they were religious people, and so they, they took it from a fleshly standpoint. As most people always do, those who spoke to Jesus on that day were trying to make a heavenly thing fleshly. It's what we do. You remember what they said? Lord, give us this manna, this bread, always. Lord, we want it always. They're still thinking fleshly. Jesus is speaking figuratively about himself, and they're just looking about bread, thinking about bread. Their words were right, but their hearts were wrong. So they would exchange the temporary fix for an eternal one. I'm going to draw you guys down to a big finish. Say big finish. I concluded calling this Emmanuel, the conclusion. And hear what Jesus said in response to those who were asking him for their bread always. He replied, I am the bread of life. You know, when Jesus said the word, when he started off that way, they were already offended, right? You get it? I am. Same words Moses was told to tell Pharaoh. And so here's where Jesus starts. I am the bread of life. My physical presence is your sustenance that you really need. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So once again, God took matters into his own hands. God had to take these drastic measures to restore and revive our relationship with him. And that's the business of God. That's what he does. It's who he is. This is God's message to you. I miss being close to you. Are you hearing that today? God's saying to you, I miss being close to you. Do you remember those times when we sat quietly together? When you longed to be with me? When it was beautiful? When it was wonderful? When we had those interactions that, that you could feel that I was near and, and, and in your heart you knew I was there with you? God's talking to you today. God is declaring through all of these means, I long for fellowship and intimacy with you. 
God's not satisfied with the distance, the chasm that is between us and Him. So He sends His one and only Son to earth as the most drastic of measures to restore us relationally to Him. That's what God does. The most drastic of measures He had to take, Matthew 1, 22 and 23. Here we go. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through His prophet, Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Are you catching this? We're just three Sundays from the day we celebrate his birth, and here we go. And they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. No, those guys that were listening to Jesus on that day with this big dissertation about bread and from heaven and, and that we want this bread always, they cry out, but then Jesus says, but I am the bread of life. He is the bread of the presence. He is the bread we must consume. We must partake of him, Jesus, you see, is the bread of heaven. When that angel spoke on that beautiful starlit night, he did indeed have good news. Listen to it from Luke chapter 2. You should be reading this around your Christmas tree somewhere right around Christmas Eve or Christmas Day before you come to church. At 10 a.m., preacher, we'll be here. I know you're going to have fun. And listen, we'll try to make the service short enough, so, but I, I'll never predict what the Holy Ghost will do. So y'all be careful when I say that. I'm speaking figuratively. It'll be a short service. You bring your kids with you and you, you remind your kids, yeah, do your food. You got all day. Got all day. They can get up early, open up the gifts, and you can still come to church for 10 o'clock for the one service we're having that day. Y'all wait till 11. I'm going to be just about done preaching figuratively. Look at this from the Scriptures. Then the angel said to them, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the bread of heaven. So boom, just like that, relationship is restored. Just like that. Why? Because that's the day God came to earth. The bread of heaven. It needs to be consumed. So I'm going to close this service this way. I want to take you to a fine restaurant. I'm not going to talk about food. On your left side is burning a single candle. And while there may be other voices in the restaurant and other things, activities taking place, and you know there's food to come. 
you're sitting at that table in the restaurant, and across from you is the Lord. You're not concerned about what's in the kitchen. You're not concerned about the people across the way having their own discussion. Maybe they're talking politics. The only concern you have is Jesus sitting right there in front of you. And Jesus looks you in the eye and he says to you, I love this. I love you and me. I love being with you. I love our time together. I love you sharing your heart with me. I love it when we get to know each other because then I know I can trust you to take the message about me to people who are in desperate need and don't know it. He longs for you to know him as the bread of heaven. And God's been doing this from creation to today, proving himself as the only hope for eternity. How about you stand to your feet now? great time for that chorus. Bread of heaven, light in the nose. I don't know the rest of it, but maybe you do. Bread of heaven. He longs to sup with you. And so I'm talking to you believers. We already had an altar time. We called out for those who maybe maybe are not in a relationship. So that means that all of you are in a relationship with Him. He longs to be near you. It's time you come into full relationship with the Lord. Just bow your head and close your eyes. Can I take you back to the restaurant with Jesus? How is it with you and Jesus? Have you been distracted by what's happening in the kitchen? Have you been distracted by what's happening at another table? Have you been glancing at other people? Maybe a celebrity walked in. Maybe a huge football star. Whether it's soccer or football. Maybe somebody that is really impressive to you in humanity has walked in and they have your attention? Jesus is sitting across the table saying, I want you. You you have the king of kings across the table from you, but you're distracted by somebody else and something else. Of heaven, he wants a relationship with you who will be honest enough with this preacher to lift up their hand and say, I need to work on it, preacher. I really need to work on it. Go ahead, lift your hand up. Let's, let's get past this moment. Get where we need to be with the Lord. So, Lord, we, 
who lift our hands to you today say we've let distractions carry us far too long they've robbed us far too long we've let stuff get in the way sometimes even good things get in the way Lord but I know you long for that intimate relationship just you and us sitting across the table from one another communing with one another We've even been so busy, Lord, seeking your hands. We're quick to ask you to fix things that are wrong and goofy, things that hurt. And while you're concerned for those things, you want to build a relationship with us that's real, that's intimate, that's pure without the distractions. You put bread on that plate, Lord, and you told them to make it out of fine flour. You didn't want them to use just casual flour. And so that's your way of saying, I want the real you, the pure you, the best you. The best of you. So God, help us. We've already repented this morning, Lord, this afternoon now. We've repented, but God, if there's anything in our hearts between you and us, God, wipe it away. Forgive us, Lord, and help us get on the right path with you. We ask in your precious name tonight, today, Lord. Amen. Love you folks. God bless you. Have an incredible day. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday or Sunday. Don't miss Miss Sunday. Shalako is a, a wonderful blessing and a great testimony. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us? either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.